common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. Lots of questions going on about the lab leak theory. And now there seems to be more evidence than theory on what happened with the coronavirus. And joining us now here on Cats and Cosby, we've got New York Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis. And uh, Congresswoman, you were terrific yesterday. We were all talking about it. You were blockbuster. And especially when you were questioning the medical experts, the scientists, like the former CDC director, Robert Redfield. Uh, what did you think was the big headline? Well, I thought there were two. Uh, Number one, um, the former director, Redfield, told me that he believes he was shut out of any conversations with the other scientists, primarily uh, Dr. Fauci here in the United States, uh, the head of the U.K. health organization, the World Health Organization as well, uh, because he had a differing opinion. They were trying to suppress debate on the origins of this virus, and he feels that Medically, and, and, and honestly, looking at all the evidence to today, um, the Republicans were right. We said that this was a lab leak, okay? This was developed in the Wuhan lab, uh, which is a communist Chinese-controlled lab, uh, and uh, it's, it's mounting evidence showing that now to the point where Energy Department says so, uh, FBI says so. And even though there are still some who deny that theory, uh, they believe now that Dr. Fauci was suppressing those who believed it was a lab leak theory. Um, and he had created this natural origins theory to suppress that discussion and debate. Ed, Ed Cox here, yeah. Congresswoman. Yeah. And he had a motive for doing it, didn't he? Well, it appears that he did. And that's what we're trying to get to the bottom of. It appears that NIH... Uh, gave funding to EcoHealth Alliance based in New York City, which then turned gave funding to the Wuhan lab. And so one of my questions, which I think was the real blockbuster yesterday and the real bombshell, was that the CDC director told me that he not only believes that uh, the he says there actually was no doubt that U.S. tax dollars were funding gain of function research in the Wuhan lab, but also that it may have likely contributed to the development of the COVID virus, and that the funding didn't just come from NIH. He believes it also came from USAID. It came from Department of State. It came from the Department of Defense. And I think that was quite shocking. Uh, So I think that was the reason why perhaps Dr. Fauci was looking to suppress that lab leak theory at the very beginning. Nicole, it's Tony Carbonetti. I I think one of the things that, that you can be incredibly helpful with going forward is because there will be another crisis. Someone like yourself has to explain to the scientists going forward, be a scientist. It's okay to say, I don't know. Don't All these people succumbed to the pressure of the 24-7 news media at the time and were giving the answers that they knew weren't – they're scientists. They don't know the answer and won't know the answer until it's proven out over time. So say what you know, say what you don't know. Let the politicians do their jobs. Yeah, well, what's interesting is that uh, there was a phone call in February of 2020 in which uh, Dr. Fauci conducted with multiple scientists from across the country, the world, actually. Um, And those scientists uh, told him that they believed it was a lab leak as well. And three days later, they came out with a public paper, those same scientists, four out of the 11 scientists, saying that it was not the lab leak, that it was natural origin. So what happened in that three-day period after that phone call with Dr. Fauci that all of a sudden they changed their opinion? And that is also what we're trying to get to the bottom to. So there's a lot of questions that still need to be asked and answered. 
Um, but the reality is for two years, Democrats refused to have hearings on the origin. How do you how do we prevent the next uh, pandemic if we don't determine where this came from, how it was how it was developed and how it was unleashed in the world? And so, you know, it's shocking that the COVID subcommittee did not until yesterday have an actual hearing on the origins of this virus. Uh, Congresswoman, in the last week, this is David Patterson talking to you. Uh, I understand that Dr. Fauci says he has an open mind on the subject. Why would he have an open mind now any more than he had before if he was part of basically suppressing um, an opinion that may have been different than his but was medically informed as much as his was. Well, and see that that really is the 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 real question here. What was his motivation? What was his in, intentions uh, with putting out that paper or, or uh, promoting the scientists to do that paper? Um, those are the questions that we have. And, and unfortunately, when we brought Dr. Fauci uh, before Congress, uh, he answered all the questions. I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember. Uh, and that is why we are now questioning those individuals who had worked with him, had been involved in these discussions, were, were participating in these phone calls to try to get to the bottom of it. But I think there is a reason why Dr. Fauci, you know, abruptly retired. Um, and 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 perhaps it's because he didn't he, he knew we Republicans were going to be going down this uh, path and trying to get answers for the American people. But the reality, this is the thing that I want people to grasp. Why is this so critically important? Number one, to prevent the next pandemic. But number two, there needs to be accountability. OK, you had nearly as many Americans die from covid as you have had Americans die in every war since the Revolutionary War combined. Okay, we're talking about over you know, 1.1 million individuals and their families deserve answers to know what their government did right, what their government did wrong, what were they hiding from us? Uh, and we just want transparency. I think at the end of the day, you, you have more people here. die in one year, Nicole, uh, from drugs, from fentanyl, than all of uh, Vietnam, all of Korea and all of Afghanistan and American soldiers over multi years. In one year, that many people died, and nobody is doing anything about it. And I commend uh, uh, Senator Lindsey Graham for saying, let's use our cruise missiles. Let's take away, let's blow away those fentanyl uh, factories. Well, you know, and, and I appreciate that because border security has been one of my top issues. We are seeing fentanyl, as you mentioned, just one year was 100,000 uh, Americans in just one year alone, and we know it's coming from the southern border. We know the drug cartels are profiting tremendously over this. This government isn't allowing it to happen. We need to get real tough on the cartels. We need to pass our Border Security Act for America that gives the CBP the tools they're begging for. We need to stop this drug and human trafficking and the exploitation of these people uh, who are looking for a better life. Um, and so I think that is why you're seeing hearings at the border. You're also seeing a major hearing yesterday. This was the other bombshell that happened yesterday. The Foreign Affairs Committee had a hearing on Afghanistan and what occurred there with the withdrawal. We had a Marine come forward and say he was a sniper uh, who was there at the Kabul airport when they were doing the evacuations. He spotted the suicide bomber and he asked for uh, the, the permission to shoot him to prevent that attack, and he was denied. They oh, my God. Denied. Yeah, that was a and bombshell. So, that was a, what, Who did they say gave the order to that? Because that was a bombshell yesterday. It was the military leadership. But what I will say is 
they had two opportunities to to prevent that attack. One, it was a it was a grave mistake to close the Bagram Air Base without evacuating all the American citizens first. That was the first mistake. As a result, the Taliban released all those prisoners uh, that were at the Bagram Air Base, and that is where the ISIS suicide bomber came from. That was the first mistake. And the second mistake was not allowing the sniper to take out uh, the terrorist uh, prior to that attack. That would have so, saved 13 soldiers that died. Yeah, and uh, by the way, 100 so Afghans. So more Afghan civilians that were there. It is, it is heart-wrenching testimony, and I urge everyone to go online. It's on my Facebook page, uh, but, or you can find it anywhere on the Internet. Um, and, and we're getting out the truth, John, and that's, I think, the important thing here. People want transparency. They want answers, and they're getting them now after two years of stonewalling by the Democrats. Wow, that was blockbuster. You filled us in on so many hot topics, and I'm so glad that the Republicans are trying to get some accountability on all these huge issues, Congresswoman, because so many Americans deserve answers on all of these things. Thank, Thank you, you, Congresswoman. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And with us today is Jose Santa Maria, worked for large uh, money sent to banks and also some international banks. And uh, he was concerned when he heard what's going on with the budget. Jose, how are you today? How are you, John? Good to hear from you. Now, uh, you sent me a text when you heard about what uh, they had in mind and uh, what President Biden's speech was. And uh, tell, tell, and I was shocked the way you said it. Uh, tell our audience, we got maybe, maybe we have a million people listening Tell our audience what what you were you were most shocked about. What do you think the results would be passing a budget like that? Yes. Well, so, John, as you know, I've seen uh, increases in taxes of this nature in Europe uh, and other countries. And first of all, if they're not really long term in nature and match to investing, they can be very damaging. Uh, they are inflationary in nature, which is not what we need right now in the U.S. economy. Secondly, it's a way to get the unions on your side. And we all have seen the problems with the unions in Europe and the yellow jackets, how they are actually turning politics around. And ultimately, we might end up uh, with a situation like Argentina, where the unions go through the back door and decide who the next president is going to be, uh, as opposed to the democratic nature of our country, the U.S. So this type of uh, uh, tax raise, uh, and especially of this magnitude, and without a very specific purpose, is just really not what we need at this time. I think it will hurt the economy, employment, growth, the markets. And uh, I think it's really a mistake. And that was my concern I, I wanted to share with you. Well, that's a, a wow. Uh, Ed Cox, you had a couple of comments uh, before you, when we were discussing <laughs> uh, it internally. Yes, Mr. Santa Maria, I'm not sure that this is not a political ploy. The, what the president said, let's put a tax on the millionaire, uh, the billionaires. Uh, well, guess what? He knows that the Republicans in the House of Representatives agree with you on it. It is a disaster for the economy to do it. And so he knows that they're going to basically nix it. And that will then they will be able to attack the Republicans as being uh, on the side of the billionaires uh, as of against the people. That's what he's trying to do. It's pure politics. That's uh, your opinion is that uh, Tony Carbonetti, any opinions? Well, 
I, I was just reading something that the IRS is planning on doing, I guess. They're asking you to report uh, the – you pay taxes on what you stole. That, that's what I was sitting here mesmerized, John. Are they going yes. to the, tax all the prime ministers that bought bitcoins? No, no, no. Oh. If you go into the CVS and you steal $1,000 worth of something and you don't get, get caught, you're supposed to report it as fair market value and pay taxes on it. And, and by the way, See? Twitter is going crazy on that because everyone's like, are, are you kidding me? They will figure out how to close the budget here, John. It's a- <laughs> that's, how they got, that's how they got Al Capone. That, that was exactly well, yeah, how they got is. Al Capone. If the you're, failure, if you're the dishonorable enough to shoplift, you should be honorable enough to pay taxes on it, right? Right, of course. That of makes course. sense to somebody. Yes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Gov Patterson, you have a comment. I, after that, I, for once... I have You're no speechless. comment at speechless. all. Speechless. Let's I write it down. Speechless. Let's write. You know what? I want to ask you, Jose, too. Uh, by the way, I, I, I know that you also worked with J.P. Morgan. You were with uh, the second biggest bank in Spain. I used to live in Sevilla, by the way, and I love uh, España. Um, you know, I want to ask you, Jose, just how counterproductive this is now. Just the overall thing that Biden is sort of in this la-la land talking about tax hikes at a time where they're also talking about raising interest rates, you know, skyrocketing. And um, how just counterproductive. Larry Kudlow, who's, of course, one of our great hosts on WABC, just said, you know, basically the guys on Mars, that this is just the wrong time. And it's basically another big spend package and America can't handle it. Yeah, Larry is correct. I mean, if you're raising taxes for the purpose of bringing inflation, uh, uh, interest rates for the purpose of bringing inflation down, but you're raising taxes, you get exactly the opposite effect. You're going to, you know, uh, we're going to pass those taxes to the end consumer. That is going to be inflationary. And that is a major concern. It doesn't really meet the objectives of the Federal Reserve. The United States needs to inject liquidity abroad, and it needs to detract or reduce liquidity in the, United, in the U.S., and that balance cannot be accomplished if we do ma- massive uh, tax increases. But it is of more concern even that uh, those taxes do not have a specific purpose, taxing the rich, making capital afraid, which is the backbone of this economy, is just going to create an additional problem, which is the lack of investing. Well, and also, um, how much is this is politics? You know, Ed Cox, we were talking about this earlier. This this bill is basically dead on arrival. Right? I mean, this is just coddling to voters. It's all posh, just like uh, for giving student loans in a big way. They know the yeah, but twenty six million that. people voted for forgiving it because they thought they're going to get ten thousand dollars each. The youth vote showed up last November. For the Democrats. Is that called buying the votes? Is that what that is, basically? You can call it that. But they didn't have to pay for it. It's genius, actually, if you think about it. Oh, that's they an interesting just promised strategy. It. You just throw it out there. And, and even Nancy Pelosi, Governor Nancy Pelosi, got up and said, President Biden doesn't have the power to do that. Yeah, and even Biden said it before, too, on another matter. Like, you know, on, but I, they I, voted. Right, they voted. They voted. And 26 so, million people filed for applications, and they voted. So, John, isn't this sort of similar? Because now what's going to happen is they're going to say, oh, we wanted to tax the rich and help the middle class, and the Republicans didn't do it. So isn't that where but this is headed? Me, we got a, a change of appearance here. We have Ed Cox here, which is the Republican uh Future chairman again. You know how I know that, And he's John? wearing a very nice tie. There's a cake and there, usually, too. And usually Republicans wear bow ties. But today, Governor <laughs> Patterson is wearing a bow tie. He's trying to confuse are you, us. Are you, are you trying to confuse <laughs> us, uh, Governor? I thought I'd just like to see what it'd be like to be a Republican uh, for a day. <laughs>
How does it feel? Dinner's on you, Governor. I'm being insulted, so I... I understand how Republicans feel these days. Wait, did you hear what the ju- judge, you got to repeat that? That was a good Governor, one. Governor, now that you're a rich man wearing a bow tie, dinner is on you. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> right after the show. Yeah. Thank you. One if thing, I though, though say... that I do want to point out is, is that I do think that a lot of the whole student loan program was fabricated and a number of people were duped into taking loans they didn't even want. I actually paid $20,000 of a student loan for my son who never asked for one. But the way they uh, the way they wrote the form, he mistakenly checked it when he shouldn't have. Wow! Oh, very wow. nice. That, that's that's unusual. You had one last thing to say. We got about thirty seconds left. Yes. So I think something that would be much more effective is really to think in terms of equity and not raising taxes to the rich. That doesn't. I don't think that's going to work. But increasing equity of the middle class. And that can be done through a number of policies, which include education, healthcare, and other things. I think the focus has to be on creating equity for, for the middle class, not necessarily increasing taxes for the rich. That will scare capital away, and that will create massive unemployment. That was my comment. Oh, uh, Jose Santa Maria, thank you, for, uh, thank you for speaking up, and thank you for telling the people the truth. And we'll catch up with you again real soon. Yes, sir. Thank you, John. Thank Good you. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. One of our best soldiers the United States has ever had on the phone with you. Absolutely, we do. We have our dear friend, General Jack Keene, of course, retired Army four-star general, former vice chief of staff of the U.S. Army, and, of course, the great Presidential Medal of Freedom recipient. And, of course, the chairman of the Institute of the Study of War, uh, Jack Keene, you know we love you, my friend. Um, I'm so happy to have you here, especially on, on such an important day. Yesterday, and everybody's talking about it today, that huge emotional hearing on Capitol Hill uh, where they were talking about all the weaponry left behind, all the allies left behind in Afghanistan after our dismal withdrawal. And, um, you know, I want to get um, right to it. We had Nicole Maliotakis, the congresswoman, on earlier today, uh, just a few minutes ago, Jack. And she basically said, she repeated, this guy who was testifying yesterday, this is the guy who was at the, the Abbey Marine, Gate, the, the Marine. 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 And the Marine said that he wanted to take the shot. He, uh, he was a sniper. And he was told by military leadership, don't take the shot on the bomber. Um, that And that came out yesterday. That was a lot of head... Explain how that could happen and and how the chain of command how that works. Yeah, I don't have a I don't have an answer for something like that. I, everybody knew it was a very fluid situation. Uh, people were well aware that there was a threat. Uh, the military was was elevated in terms of security as a result of the intelligence that they had that there was likely going to be a suicide bomber attack. Uh, I don't have a feel for why, uh, if, if, if a threat was being observed, then why it wasn't taken taken down as a precautionary measure. Listen, we had the opportunity to provide security in Kabul. It was offered to the senior military commanders, uh, General McKenzie. And what we could have done clearly is made it known to the Taliban, while we were not going to control the whole city, we were going to control the airport. And we don't want you anywhere near the airport. Uh, Your your closest checkpoint will be a mile away, just for argument's sake, so that the airport would never have that chaotic scene that we've seen. And and going through uh, multiple checkpoints, 
very close to the airport. It made no sense. We're used to having out of security, not just security at at a tower or a, a wall was what we were left to. That that's close in security and it's not very good security. And and there was lots of errors made there. Yeah. Yeah, why did it happen? That's the big question. Why was this why did they allow such a them so close? It was shocking. Well I think the thought uh you know the general would have to answer for himself uh and I do agree with his recommendation to the president as the entire military command made was you know, keep the small 2,500 force there. That'll keep uh, the government in place. That'll that'll keep the Iraqis, I mean, the Afghan security forces functioning. Uh, let's not if we pull everybody out, there's a good chance the Taliban will take over. I mean, the president was told all of that by all the military chain command and by the Europeans. Blinken called him and told him that uh, the Germans and the French and others who were had embassies there. They all wanted to stay, and they would have stayed if the Americans were staying. And they didn't want the Americans to pull out. He, w- The president was told that. He had his own chain of command opposing him. He had his secretary of state opposing him. He had the CIA director Burns opposing him and all of the Europeans uh, opposing, and he still made the decision to pull out. It was a travesty. And there's a disaster, too, at the Bagram Air Air base was it not the way that was pulled out? And again, that was on orders of the president. I don't think the military was happy the way that withdrawal was done either. Exactly. Yeah. Secretary Gates yeah. was exactly right about Biden's decision making. He always got it wrong. It is astounding, yeah. though, General Keene, that he did it basically on his own, despite obviously all the advice now. Um, and it was repeated yesterday from his military chain of command uh, that the president acted yeah. sort of unilaterally. I mean, he was told. I mean, I know for a fact, because one of the people who was there briefing him, a military leader, he was told that the, it was a real likelihood that the Taliban, in not too long a period of time, would eventually be in charge. And we would be back at a situation we found ourselves in on 9-11 with the Taliban in charge of Afghanistan and al-Qaeda, uh, not a large threat like they were on 9-11, but the potential to grow themselves into a serious threat and also coupled with ISIS. He was told that and he said, we're pulling out anyway. Uh, you know, what's hard. You know, it's heartbreaking, it, it Jack. Really, uh, go yeah. ahead, Jack. It, it was really a surrender is, is what it was. And, and what you saw unfold is what retreat and defeat looks like. And yes, when you when you retreat and you and you move out quickly, the the victor has the spoils of war. He takes your equipment, he takes your territory, he takes everything that you're leaving behind. That's the way wars end in defeat. And that's what we saw right before our eyes. And, you know, that's I was going to talk about it. it. It broke my heart yesterday to see the hearing and to see that Marine. He was weeping on the stand. And he talked sure. about just what you said, Jack, that $7.2 billion worth of U.S. equipment uh, now they're one of the biggest arms dealers in the world, the Taliban, because they got it. And you know what also broke my heart, Jack? A- and I feel like when we make a promise um, and you leave someone, you know, my father was a prisoner of war, you know. And so okay. for me, it's very personal, Jack. And 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 for me, I hear this story and we left 100,000 allies behind who 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 gave up, 
you know, gave up everything. And they have now a mark on their back from the Taliban because they were helping the Americans. We left them and other Americans behind. General, how many yeah. allies are still there that, that, that are hiding? Oh, thousands. Uh, there are thousands there that don't have any option, you know, to be able to get out of the country. And they have biometrics on all of our people that work for us because we had we had to keep those kind of tech, technology advanced records on people to make certain that we were not being infiltrated by the Taliban. And they have they it have now. The Taliban has it. All of it. They have all of it. They have the names. So we made, it, we made it easy for them to track down, oh. hunt down, and kill our people. And, and, they're, and they're hunting them down. Oh. And, and I hate to say them. it, and I, and, General, and I, you, I, you don't have to I say it. I'm going to say it. I hate to say it. It's President Joe Biden's fault. No, it is. It, it, it is. He owns this whole thing. And I, it, it's a stain on our national honor. And it, it is something that uh, will be recorded in history as such. And, you know, even though this wasn't the reason for staying, there are strategic implications of the pullout. Afghanistan, we had seven military bases and three CIA bases there. All of that shut down over time. And as a result of that, I mean, Afghanistan was bordered by China, was bordered by Iran, and was one country away from Russia. Russia, China, and Iran all wanted us out of there. Did and Pakistan, we don't know where they stand sometimes. And Pakistan, I've long since given up the thought that they're an ally because they, they singularly supported the Taliban in two sanctuaries, even not just with money, but with Pakistan military forces assisting in their training. The CIA had the goods on all of this, and and. We could not get an administration to really take these Pakistanis on. Wow. Well, they, they were they were feared that the Pakistani Taliban at some point, if we put too much pressure on the Afghan Taliban that was residing there, that the Pakistani Taliban could get their hands on a nuclear weapon. So that paralyzed us for years. Democrat and Republican administration both. And I think they were flat wrong. Well, you are. Uh, I'm telling you, General Jack Keane, thank you for sharing the truth with all of us and all our great listeners here on Cats and Cosby. We love you. And we just thank you always for your service. You're so terrific, General Jack Keane. Well, it's great talking to you and our best-selling author. Exactly. Thank right. you so much, Jack. Do you have a book, by the way, Jack? Do you get a book? No, I don't. No, I Remind don't. me, I'm going to Federal Express you a book tomorrow. All right, you're getting a book tomorrow. Okay. A hot right, seller. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thank you, General Jackie. We so appreciate it. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And now we have with us uh, our great WABC expert on medical and everything else, Dr. Peter Mihalos. Uh, Dr. Mihalos, so great to have you here on Cats and Cosby and uh, thrilled to have you here, especially on such an important day. You know, one of the things we were just talking about, big headline now about Mitch McConnell and word coming out he's the uh, senate minority leader of course um and he now has a concussion uh can you kind of tell us what that means especially for someone of his age and apparently you know he's fallen before it came after a fall and he has fallen before uh what's in store for him well i'm not his treating physician but just from outside in just to tell you what happens uh when someone who's 81 and hits their head they have to have a 
CAT scan of their head after being clinically evaluated. And he fell in 2019 in his house and actually broke his shoulder because he had polio as a child. And people who've had polio as a child sometimes have gait disturbances, which means when they walk up and down stairs or they tend to miss a step sometime because the brain and the nerves don't communicate with the leg muscles sometimes. So sometimes you might see people who've had polio using a cane or some of them have enough physical therapy that they get around. But when there's a step or something they don't see, or I see the type of glasses you also wear, people who wear bifocals of great power, when they look up and down, they look through the reading section, they miss a step. So when you hit your head, the concern is that you may have had a bleed in the head and a CAT scan will show up the blood immediately. And if someone has bleeding, because the concern is he might be on blood thinners just because last time he fell, he was all black and blue. Biden falls down the steps every week. Yeah. But but what happens is when you do fall down, just for our audience, they know and you hit your head you and you feel like throwing up or you have the worst headache of your life, you need to get seen immediately because you can sometimes have a bleed in your head. And the skull is a closed system. And because it's a closed system, if you have a bleed and you're on blood thin or even aspirin, the blood can expand and push on your brain and that can result in big problems. So that's why they're probably keeping him there for observation and the brain gets floats in a fluid called cerebral spinal fluid, and it gets knocked around inside, banged to the left and right in the skull. And that's what a concussion is, your brain inflammation. So he'll be watched, and they'll probably uh, keep close eye on him, probably do a repeat CAT scan. Eventually, uh, he'll get uh, better, and uh, he should be fine as long as he doesn't get a bleed. If you do get a bleed, then you have to have emergency surgery where they make a tiny hole and drain the blood. But uh, we wish him well, and we wish him a speedy uh, recovery. And, you know, things happen, and uh, people fall. And that's one of the most common causes in older people of uh, death is when they fall down and break their hip, for example, and then they get bedridden, and then you form clots and thromboembolism. So you got to be very careful. Falls are a serious thing, and anything you can do to uh, reduce falls. So we tell people in your bathrooms, have bars, especially as you have relatives, friends, as we get older something to grab onto so you don't slip and fall and hold on to things and have good staircases and try not to be a hero and run downstairs, grab onto the rails, and just to be careful, especially when you're on blood thinners. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Peter Mihalos, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much, doctor. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. Let's go. I think we have an important guest. Yeah, and I'm going to get fired up on this one, John, to keep the trend. Let's go to James Galliano, who is a retired FBI supervisory special agent. Uh, James, so great to have you here on the show. Let's get right to it because we are fired up on what happened in Mexico to the U.S. citizens. Uh, what did you make, by the way, of this? This whole wild thing that happened today with the cartel uh, saying, you know what, these guys were bad. We don't hurt people. And these cartel people, they actually literally tied them up, five of them. Um, and they say they're the ones responsible for killing the Americans in Mexico. And we're so sorry. We're good guys. Cartels. Go ahead, James. Rita, John, and, and Governor, good to join you. Rita, it's been a long time. Um, good to hear your voice. Yeah, this Thank this you. is this is lunacy, and this goes to show. Now, I served in Mexico City from 2013 through 2014 as the FBI's legal attaché, so I dealt with the cartels. They're just like the mob. If you take out John Gotti, 
other factions, other cartels, other mafia families are going to move up and fill the void. In this instance, people are suggesting that, that Mexico, and, and I don't agree 100%, is a failed narco state. This is going to take a bilateral agreement between our two countries because we, we share a 2,000-mile border. We have many relatives and, and family members of, of Mexican citizens that live in this country and work in this country. But what's going on now and what took place in Matamoros just a couple of days ago, guys, absolute insanity. I was there for almost two years they would never kidnap or kill American citizens because they were too fearful of the U.S. government's reaction for this to happen. It's 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 unprecedented. I mean, it, it, at least in the last 10 or 13 years. You know, and also FBI just issued a little bit ago a travel advisory, travel warning to any American going to Mexico. You know, a lot of kids go there for, you know, spring break. Uh, what do you say to people who it's, are thinking it's of traveling? It's to go to Fort Lauderdale. Tell the kids. Yeah, exactly. Or Daytona Beach is nice, so, too. So, so, so let me say this. My daughter, my 26-year-old daughter who's a teacher, just went to Mexico for a week. I say this to people all the time. If you follow the travel advisories, there are places not to go. The eastern section of the country that the Gulf Cartel controls that is a dangerous area, just like the western section of the country and up along the border where the Sinaloa cartel operates. If you go to resorts and places like that and you exercise good caution and good judgment and you follow the Department of State guidelines, go to their website. They will tell you where to go and where not to go. And in this instance, these folks that ostensibly went down there for a tummy tuck procedure um, they went to an area that there was a high level of caution uh, that, that needed to be exercised. Going there was probably not a good idea. I'm not blaming the victims. However, I'm suggesting follow the Department of State advisories. I would not tell people don't go to Cancun, don't go to Cabo, don't go down there to visit friends in Puerto Vallarta. Just be smart. So, Jim, Ed Cox here. So there you have the kidnapping, you have these terrible murders, uh, and all of a sudden five suspects are produced. It sounds to me like Casablanca, that line in <laughs> Round up the usual suspects. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, Ed, great point. Now, you guys are probably old enough to remember, all of you except for Rita, you're old enough thank to you. remember. By the way, thank back, you for that. Thank you. <laughs> back in 1989, when uh, a DEA agent by the name of Everett Hatcher was executed out on Staten Island by a mob associate by the name of Gus Faraci. What did the mob do when New York City police officers, the FBI, the DEA, United States Marshals, turned the five boroughs upside down? They produced a body. In this instance, the Gulf Cartel, and it's actually right now, it's been redesignated. It is the Cartel del Norte Este. It is, it, they, by them producing these five bodies, what they're trying to do is say, don't look at us here. These are the five. Don't guys. make a federal case. Yeah, James Galliano. Unbelievable. Thank you. thank you, James Galliano. Thank you for everything you've done for our country. Airborne, and continue Jim. to speak. Thank you. Airborne. Thank you, Jim. And what do we stand for on this show? Truth, Truth justice, and the American way. way. God bless America. We need God's blessing.